0: Hello and welcome to your Over the Farm Gate podcast, brought to you by Farmers Guardian. I'm your host, Olivia Midgley. We'll be here with a new episode of the podcast every Tuesday, just make sure you subscribe on your favourite platform. Coming up this week, and if like me, you're desperate just to leave the county, never mind get on a plane anywhere, then you've probably looked at booking a staycation to celebrate some easing of COVID restrictions and a bit of our freedom back. Well, it's no wonder then that the staycation sector is absolutely booming at the moment as people choose to buy British in the holidays as well as their food. And with that comes big opportunities for farmers and landowners. Here's Jess Fredenberg.
1: Got any wild plans for the year? Any travel adventures, globetrotting, trips to tropical beaches pending? Nope, me neither. Like most people this year, I'll be holidaying closer to home or having a so-called staycation. In fact, according to latest research by Mintel, Brits are expected to spend 22% more on holidaying in the UK this summer compared to 2019 before COVID. That's a 10-year high. Although looking across the whole of 2021, the value of domestic holidays is expected to drop 11%. Agri-tourism, though, could be one of the biggest winners of the summer market, as rural and countryside holidays have seen the biggest surge in interest of any type of domestic holiday, with over a third of those who are planning to take a staycation interested in making such a booking. So could this be an opportunity for farm diversifications? What makes a rural tourism accommodation business work? What are the pitfalls? And should this even be something to consider right now? To dig into this, I'm joined by two people eminently qualified to answer these questions. Caroline Miller runs the multi-award-winning Hideaway Experience, providing five-star accommodation for couples on her family farm near Dundee. She also offers agritourism business consultancy at Cass Miller. She's the sector lead of the industry body Scottish Agritourism and through this runs the Go Rural campaign to welcome visitors onto Scottish farms. John Maddy is a glamping pioneer and speaker and is co-founder of Long Valley Yurts, one of the longest established and largest glamping companies in the UK. He's also founder of Canopy, the association for the camping and glamping industry, which offers consultancy, training and accreditation, among other services. So, Caroline and John, welcome to the podcast. The last 12 months have certainly made us all appreciate big green open space more. How have your businesses both been in this in this period? John, I know, I'm, I'm guessing your, your business is more summer-based. Caroline, perhaps yours is more all year round. How has COVID impacted the last 12 months? Caroline, do you want to start?
2: So, yeah, we are a year-round business. We have four five-star hideaways on our farm, which are for couples and quite at the luxury end of the market. And we'd built up the business to have our best year ever to the end of March, 2020. Um, obviously we, we closed on the 23rd of March last year. We were shut till the 11th of July. Then we were open and we were very busy. And then we went into the tier system um, in November, which meant we could only welcome guests from our own council area. Nothing like the number of guests that normally would be here. And then we've been closed since Boxing Day. So obviously we are pretty much down on where we normally are in number of guest numbers and, and turnover. But when we were open, we saw a huge demand for coming here to stay.
1: Mm. John, what about you? What, what, what's kind of happened for you the last 12 months?
3: It's been a it's been a crazy crazy um, year for tourism in general, but but certainly my business um, is seasonal. So um, we we set up at the start of March and then we run right the way through to the end of October um, and close for the year. So at the start with the lockdown kicking in, we were we were completely closed um, and. We didn't reopen until the end of the lockdown in July. Um, at the point of uh, at the point of where we would have normally opened, um, we had um, hundreds of bookings in for the year, and um, and and then had the uh, the task of contacting everybody individually. I think it's fair to say we were all learning on our feet right then. And once once we kind of got over the shock, because there was livelihoods and jobs affected um through to you know worrying whether we were going to have a business at the end of it um but when we opened back up again in july uh, we were running at uh, full capacity until the end of the year on on all of our locations they were they were a different um crowd of people than we we normally have and i think that that's testament to the kind of the um uh, the, the the internal market that we've got in the country and and just everybody wanting to get away and 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 enjoy enjoy the open spaces more really which which has been brilliant to see you know we've uh, we've certainly welcomed new customers and and educated them as well about kind of interacting with rural environments so so hopefully uh, you know we should have more of them back this year you're still ploughing on and so are we. Get Farmer's Guardian delivered directly to your door every week and access the latest news from the world of agriculture 24-7 through FGinsight.com. Simply subscribe to Farmer's Guardian. Check out our latest deals at FGinsight.com slash subscriptions today.
1: I mean, it it sounds like from both of you that you both lost and one custom, depending on the time of year and what was happening in terms of lockdown. You know, I mean, we're seeing all these figures at the moment about staycations and the rise in, you know, people's interest in the countryside and rural tourism. What do you think, what really is the opportunity at the moment for rural, the rural tourism sector, particularly because of COVID and this renewed interest in the countryside? Caroline?
2: Yeah, I think as John was saying that, Covid has presented an opportunity in that perhaps a section of the domestic population who didn't normally holiday or short break in the countryside um, did obviously then try and book a, a short break or a holiday in 2020 and will be looking to do so in 2021. And so you know what we want to do is make sure from an agritourism sector point of view that When we open up this year, it's not just uh, a sort of, you know, one-hit wonder that everybody comes this year because they can't go elsewhere, but actually we introduce new people to the countryside and that they are retained as returning guests year after year. Of course, people will want to go abroad. I can't wait to go abroad. I love travelling, but um, it's about making sure that we um try and convert some of the new people to understand and to appreciate what we can offer in in the rural rural part of the, the countryside. Um so that that's a really important point for me that we don't just see them here this year and then they we never see them again. I I guess
1: as well, like part of that at the moment certainly must be making sure that people feel safe to travel and safe wherever they are because of COVID. How have you both had to adapt your businesses and what you offer um, around those sort of safety concerns? John?
3: Yeah, so that, that, that um, presented an interesting challenge, if I'm honest with you. <laughs> um, from the initial kind of shock factor of of, of closing... When we were forced to close, not only were we unsure about how we were going to reopen, we were unsure about how we could do that safely. And I had all of my partners on the phone saying, you know, how are we going to do this? Um, and at the time, in early March, there wasn't a huge amount of information and resources around, which kind of presented a bit of a problem about how, how this was going to work. So I started to build in a paper that creates a framework for operating and cleaning in a covid environment it's all about creating um, systems and um, so it's a kind of a systematic approach to to cleaning and to managing the site
1: uh, caroline how have you had to adapt your business you know what what are the practical things you've had to do and and also i know you do a lot of consultancy with um rural businesses you know what have they been saying to you and what have you been advising them
2: So we we are quite fortunate in that our properties are all at least 300 to 500 metres away from each other. We don't have people right next door to each other and we only have one housekeeper in a property at a time. So we we haven't had staff kind of working alongside each other, but what it has meant is that our cleaning times have doubled from two and a half hours per property to five hours per property. And... Things that we would normally schedule into a weekly or a fortnightly or a monthly deep clean are are being done every time now. So absolutely everything is deep clean. So, for example, in the kitchen, if you have crockery that's already in the the cupboards, normally you would check it thoroughly. It all goes through the dishwasher, eh, every single item, and the drawers all cleaned out and back in. We haven't had any guests who had any comment about feeling kind of unsafe or anything. In fact, we had lots and lots of positive responses that people felt very safe. They always value the cleanliness of the property, but the fact that they were on their own, there was no neighbours, we we stopped welcoming people and showing them round the property. They phoned us when they arrive and we go and welcome them from three metres away. We've just adapted our service. Yes, it it sounds
1: like it's obviously critical to make people feel... Feel safe, and of course, being in a rural, potentially isolated setting perhaps adds to that feeling of safety but also freedom at the moment. So, there's definitely something there, isn't there, in terms of an asset that that farmers and other rural businesses have? I wondered, you know, how do you think rural tourism and rural accommodation has? changed since you've both been in it. Caroline, I I know that you used to used to help out on your parents um your parents' farm at their B. Is a simple B and B enough anymore? You know, what do people really expect now?
2: I mean since since the heyday of the farmhouse bed and breakfast and still farmhouse bed and breakfast is are a, a great asset to to rural tourism and agitourism, but I think in the 1970s that was perhaps a larger percentage of the kind of agritourism offering and yeah it was great growing up in a house with international guests and people from England coming to stay and their kids and they played out in the garden and you know accommodation wise things have just got so much more diverse and a, a real diverse and sophisticated offering so there's every type of accommodation on farms now from Um, camping, glamping, luxury, budget, um, you know, converted steadings through to um, on-farm hotels is is a new kind of underdeveloped part of the sector, but is something that is, there's there's in the pipeline. So it's not just about letting out two bedrooms in the farmhouse anymore. But I think the other thing is in self-catering, they used to say that you used to, put your old um, furniture from your house into the self-catering and all your old stuff. Now you take your old stuff out of the self-catering and put it in your house. So I think there has been a more professionalisation of the sector. And I think customers' expectations are always increasing. For most people, they are stepping up their game to meet customers' demands and customers' changing expectations. And I think there's that drive and in innovation to always be kind of offering something slightly different and a realisation that people are not necessarily coming because of your accommodation. They want to come because they're returning guests that, and you recognise them and value them and welcome them. That service element is so important, but also the kind of whole... Vibe and look and feel of your farm, so the actual location, the views, the peace and quiet, that whole thing. So I think it's the whole offering to the consumer.
3: Yeah, I I have to agree with uh, Caroline on on so many of them points. Actually, you know, I, uh, originally. Um, interaction with kind of the rural environment. It, it was all about staying in a B and B uh, and and having that farm experience. And when we started, um, there wasn't really anybody doing uh, glamping. It wasn't it wasn't a word. You know, it was tented accommodation. Um, the 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 original were, were, were the likes of Eurocamp. The 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 several years that followed the early days we then changed the concept so it, it you know glamping became a term people understood about glamorous camping and about interacting with tented accommodation and and the rural environments and then we moved into an experience led business but i think and i don't know if caroline will agree with this is that what has since then happened in in the industry and um, what i refer to as this instagram Ideology. A lot of companies, not really tourism companies, but a lot of a lot of companies or or influencers, search to create this shot. You know, it could be roasting marshmallows over a fire on on a beautiful view or beautiful festoon lights with this mock up. Um, you know structure in the middle of a a forest you know with with rugs and you know reindeer hides and it just looks absolutely tranquil now that's presented a problem to the industry on on the one hand it looks absolutely amazing but for a sustainable business to deliver that day in day out to that customer and to every single customer that follows it's nigh on impossible so I think it's led people down a kind of a line of inquiry with their research now is that they want to be in that hot tub. They want to be looking over the view and to create that for the accommodation provider can be very difficult, very timely and very costly as well. You know.
1: Caroline, do you think this means that, you know, what John is describing there, do you think this means that the skills that somebody needs now to run a business like this have changed?
2: So I think what I've found makes a successful business is that it's usually one or two people um, in the family, say the family farm, for example, have particular skills or or a flair for something which they then take to, The agritourism business and that becomes the focus of kind of the core offering of the business so but there's no doubt that i think the the marketing the sales side the customer service side is way more important nowadays than probably it ever was there's so many advantages of the digital age um but i think the downside is if you're not willing to embrace the digital technology, the social media and that side of things, you've got the potential to be left behind. Um, and agree with what John said as well about Instagram. I think the power of social media, particular Instagram, it, it can work very much in your favour. We've had guests who have just taken the perfect shot, like people that are looking to be, you know, they, they look beautiful, they take pictures of each other in the hammock, it's a beautiful day, it's you know, they're taking pictures of each other in the bath, they're doing photo shoots. I mean people love taking pictures of themselves. Some people seem to spend their entire romantic break taking pictures of themselves and posting it on Instagram. But actually if they take nice pictures and they've got good followers, we can see bookings coming in as a result of their stay during their stay. It's hugely powerful for us. I I wanted
1: to move on to, um, let's assume that that people listening to this are, you know, they're thinking, okay, I'm still up for this. This is something I want to do. I understand the challenges. What would you say? What are your top three things that you would say that rural businesses that are successful, what do they do right? John, give me your top three.
3: Getting some decent, good quality, independent advice about what's going to work for you. On your site in your area that that would definitely be number one um, the next really is kind of an eye for detail and pushing again on, on to what Caroline said before about you know using the skills at your disposal so if you've got people in the family that are you know, skilled in, in other ways, they've gone to uni and they've kind of got marketing degrees or uh, they've worked worked in the city on, on some projects that, that the transfer of skills, you know, utilise that, you know, and, and use it to the best of your ability. And then, and then the other is, is just check out the competition. You know, what, what are they doing that, that you could do or you could replicate for your own purposes? And what, what, what are they not doing so well and, and, and how can you do it better?
1: Caroline, what would be your your top three? What do businesses who get it right, what do they do? I've
2: found that businesses that have found a niche, that aren't just doing what everybody else is doing, but found their own unique offering. You know, what is their point of difference? Perhaps their point of difference is their amazing views over Loch Lomond or the type of accommodation they've got or the type of farm tour they're doing or their food offering maybe it's maybe the raggy tourism is linked back to their own Aberdeen Angus beef herd and they're doing steak nights or or whatever it is so you know don't just follow the crowd I would also say that the research you need to carry out should be international, not just looking at what your neighbour does, because farmers are good at just saying, aye, that guy along the road's just doing that now, I'll just fo- follow him. Look at best practice, not just in, in the UK, and use that to develop a niche and a, and a brand. I've mentioned service before, but I think people sometimes expect the service levels and the consistency of good service and good experience not to be as good in rural areas as it is in urban areas. So I think surprise people by just having an amazing service experience from start to finish. And I think that needs to start at the first point that people interact with your business. So your website has to look good. You have to respond to people quickly, live chat if you've got it, Um, you know, be responsive, speak to people on the phone, all that side of things. Right, there's a whole load of stuff to do just before actual MD comes to visit you or to stay and then give them a great time when they're here and keep in touch with them after they leave. And the final thing I would say is that for farmers, our dif- point of differentiation is that we produce food. You know, we are primary food producers, um, we rear livestock, we grow crops and so we need to make sure that there is the agri and agritourism. And that can be two things. One is telling that story of your family heritage, what you do as part of a warm welcome, as part of a farm tour when somebody's here. Make, make that difference. We can, we can have a differentiated rural experience by being farmers. And the other thing is to try to offer them food either from your own farm or from the local area. People love food, and food is a great kind of way to welcome people to the countryside, I think. So those would be my three top tips.
1: Are there any common pitfalls that you see in other, other businesses that come to you in your consultancy, Caroline?
2: Yeah, people that have put up uh, 20 lodges, and spent a lot of money putting up 20 lodges, but not thought about who's going to actually come and stay. So not thinking about the market, not thinking about the customer. I I couldn't sleep at night doing that. The first point of reference always has to be is who's going to come, who's going to be my customer. You might not always know entirely who your customer is going to be. Your customer might change over time. But I think at least having done your homework on that uh, is really important. So I think people that have maybe gone ahead with something... And then thought, like in a quite an operational way, like farmers are quite good with operations. They maybe don't have the same sort of marketing skills. So quite a lot of the phone calls I get is I've just built this and nobody's come in to stay. Can you help me? <laughs> so, <laughs> um, <Classic. laughs> so that that's the biggest pitfall, I think. John, what
1: about in the glamping industry? I, I imagine there's maybe quite a few people who think, oh, I can put up a tent, but it's more than that, isn't it? What, what are the common things that, that people get wrong in terms of glamping?
3: Yeah, I mean, um, it, it's funny, actually. You, you, you're absolutely right, Caroline. You know, we, we, we see that in our side as well. And uh, I think people get too big too quickly um, and they, they, they kind of focus more on the product rather than rather than the service that they're offering or, or the or the, the offering in general so for an example you know they may have been focusing on figures and you know making a quick book um, and so they want to throw in some cheap accommodation, some cheap tents and furnishings just to um, just to kind of ride the wave as it were and I, and, I, and I think this will happen a lot this year you know I I, I do see this happening. Um, and and I suppose what that does um, is is it's not just then about that particular person, that particular farm or campsite or, or landowner. It's it's what it does to the industry and what then are the expectations of people that are coming away and looking at these types of you know it 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 lessens the it kind of dilutes the quality and the standards of of what we're doing. So that that that's that's a that's a big one. Um offering too much and not delivering on it. Having lots and lots of uh, of things on offer but but actually when somebody gets there, you know, they they have to go here there and everywhere and it and and the rosy picture that was painted at the start was was just a nicely worded paragraph and um the reality is is somewhat different. And then now more than ever people are expecting to see every single pound of what they've paid for being spent whilst they're there and they feel like they've got good value for money and when accommodation owners cut corners um, and you you can see that as a, a customer you know that that that's a huge pitfall
2: mm.
1: yeah so like, like you both say I think there's a lot to consider opening a, a business like this, and it's definitely not a case of just, like you say, riding this wave at the moment of interest in, in the countryside. There's a lot more thought that has to go into it for the longevity of, and success of the business. Just quickly, in, in one, one line both, what do you enjoy most about running a rural business like this, John?
3: Um, the interaction. The interaction with everybody, and when I walk through the site, just the buzz you know I can go on any of our locations on a Friday night and there's just this buzz in the air of all of these families kind of disconnecting with with all of the stresses in life and kind of reconnecting with each other and 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 learning how to how to to interact as as families and friends again you know it's just brilliant
1: yeah that sounds lovely Caroline what about you what do you love the most
2: yeah, I would absolutely just concur with what John just said. So for me, it's all about it's all about the guests. We have about forty percent of our guests come and stay every single year. We've got people that come and stay four times a year. That that's so lovely when people it becomes their special place. Um, we we've, we've seen people through marriage proposals, the honeymoon, uh, the escape, of the children the anniversaries we see their whole life cycle of their time as a couple and they become good friends and that's that's the best part of running a business like this
0: thanks to jez and to caroline and john some great hints and advice there you can find more information on our website just head to Well, that's it for this week. I hope you've been giving you a bit of inspiration there. Until next week, from us at FG, thank you for listening. We hope you stay safe and well. Goodbye for now.